everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama podcast. Melissa here. It is almost 2021. We are so close to putting 2020 behind us. Um, And I'm really excited about today's podcast. I am sitting down with Becca Campbell, who is a professional pediatric sleep consultant to talk about all things sleep, because I know everybody has a lot of questions and thoughts and feelings about sleep and how we get more and um, how we walk our kids through learning how to sleep um, as well. So I hope you guys enjoy it. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. Hi, Becca. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I've, I've never done a, like a face-to-face interview before. This yeah. is exciting. I'm so happy to have you here. And you're probably, Kennedy and, Kennedy and I were laughing, it's like, it's nice that you're local, but you're probably like our first like real podcast guest. Like you have like, you have your own like followers and people and like, it's kind of exciting. I'm a little intimidated, but we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get through it. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Becca. I actually grew up here in, well, Mechanicsville is where okay. I grew up and where uh, we live now. Um, I have two daughters, Ellie and Hattie, who are, I uh, was at the pause, four <laughs> and six. Um, they're 18 months apart, so there's always that weird yeah. gap where I'm like, how old are they? Um, so four and six years old. And my husband, Chad, is my business partner. Uh, we own Little Z Sleep Consulting, as well as uh, another business, the Sleep Sorority, which is our business coaching for other sleep consultants. Um, and I love what I get to do. I get to, uh, work with families. I get to um, coach other sleep consultants. I get to, as we say, help make sleep a thing for families. And um, it's incredibly rewarding. I love what I do. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, um, it was never something that obviously I thought was a career. I didn't even know sleep consulting was a thing until six years ago. thought I was going to be an elementary school teacher for the rest of my live long life. Yeah. And I'm so glad that that ended. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Especially with the way I think things are now as well. Um, so it's so funny that you say that because that's, that's how like Latch Mama got started. Like I had no, I was, I was selling real estate. I had no thoughts of doing anything differently. What kind of drove you to falling into kind of like the sleep world? Sleep world. My lack so. of sleep. Okay. <laughs> My lack of sleep. <laughs> that so. makes perfect sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, like anybody, I think as well, if you, if you have, um, like you, uh, you said you have a nine-year-old, uh, how, how old are you? My, they're eight down to one. Okay. So like eight years ago, six yeah. years ago for uh-huh. me. I was not on Instagram. Yeah. Like, I, didn't, I didn't know about stuff. Yeah. You just had a baby and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to go to the breastfeeding class at the hospital. And like, that sounds so archaic now saying that. Yeah, like, there was just nothing. Yeah. Right. And so I had Ellie and I remember I bought a couple of books like okay. right before I was like, oh, I, I, I went through the whole like what to expect when you're expecting. And I did a breastfeeding class at the hospital and I bought a book on sleep. But I was like, I don't need to read this yet. Like, yeah, it's a newborn. Yeah. They're going to sleep. It's fine. And out she came and it was a horrible. Uh, birth experience, delivery, like just awful, awful everything, right? Yeah. For your first kid. Um, and she screamed all the time. She yeah. screamed all the time. That was and my first too. Yes. And I didn't know why. And terrible. I was like, I'm trying to feed her and I'm trying to do all these things. And yeah. my, um, the breastfeeding instructor, I actually taught her son. And so she came over to my mm-hmm. house all the time to help me. And it was just like, it was miserable. And I had no idea that there was something called an awake window. Yeah. That you're supposed to have your newborn sleep 
a lot. And I just thought she's never sleeping. And I literally remember like, I guess she's just an alert baby. I guess she's just awake. Yeah. She'd be awake for four to five hours at a time during the day. And I was like, well, I guess it's just yeah. what it is. I remember bringing mine because my first was he didn't sleep. He was crying constantly. I remember bringing him to the pediatrician about like three months old. And the pediatrician's like, oh, this is normal. He's supposed to be awake this much. You just need to stimulate him. Maybe take him outside or something. And I was like, no, I, 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 I don't think so. Like, I think we need to figure this stuff out. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's so interesting. So that drove you to maybe learning. So I, yeah. um, everybody has to hit their rock bottom points, what Absolutely. I call it. Everybody yep. does. And I woke up one morning and I didn't know where Ellie was. Like I, I looked over in her bassinet and she wasn't there. I like looked over at Chad and she wasn't there. We, this would, this was a regular thing. Like I would wake up and be like, oh, where's the baby? That's yeah. scary. Yeah, but the absolutely. rock bottom for me was she was under my duvet cover. Like I lifted up the blanket and she had gone under the cover. And sometime during the night I had picked her up and held her to go back to sleep and she'd fallen down underneath my covers. Um, that's terrifying. It was, it was awful. And I can, vi I vividly remember lifting up and like, there she is. And I freaked out and I grabbed her and she was sleeping and yeah. I grabbed her and like, just started shaking like, Oh my gosh, what am I yeah. doing? What am I doing? And that was like, I have to do something. Yeah. I have to do something now. So I went over to Google and was just like, how do you get your baby to sleep? Not even like through the night or mm -hmm. how do you get it? Yeah. How do you get them to sleep? And that's when I discovered, you know, thank there's ads out there all over the place. Yeah. So there was, um, you know, programs and books and things like that. So I just bought an ebook from a program. Cause I was like, I mean, I have my master's in teaching. I can yeah. teach myself. I got this. <laughs> so I bought this book and it didn't work yeah. because I was exhausted because yeah. I was trying to do it myself without my husband's help. Like I can do it myself. Um, and I actually emailed um, and was like, this isn't working, but I want to become a sleep consultant. <laughs> I don't know why. I was so desperate to stop yeah. teaching that I was like, well, this is something else. This is not working, but I think this could be something. And they were like, well, you kind of have to have success mm -hmm. before you like, can like, do this. Yeah. So I ended up working with one of their sleep coaches. And within three nights, she was sleeping 12 hours all night long. Um, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know your kid could sleep. It was amazing. So that, like, anytime you hit that amazing thing in your life like whatever it is like Absolutely. you found the best skincare you found the best whatever like you want to tell everybody yeah so I just started telling especially everybody. like when you were living kind of that postpartum madness by yourself and like something you just said about how like it was your job to get that baby to sleep through the night and like Chad could probably hold the baby but at the end of the day like you had to figure it out and you were tired and you were postpartum and like that's the part like that's how Latch Mama was born too it was just the idea that you didn't, you didn't tell me that there weren't breastfeeding clothes. You didn't tell me that I was going to want to go out to lunch with a friend, but have zero idea how I was going to breastfeed my baby in public. And it was just this overwhelming desire to let the world know that like it could be easier or it could be better. Um, I have to tell you though, and I, we were talking before we started the podcast, sleep is probably the most controversial thing with the Latch Mom audience. I, um, yeah. In any audience. Really. Yeah. I mean, it is... It goes south and it gets mean and it gets angry faster than any. I mean, we're talking faster than circumcision, vaccines. Like it is by far the most heated conversations that we see on our online community. Um, I think we have a lot of naturally based parents who feel that sleep training doesn't mix with breastfeeding, baby wearing, attachment parenting. Um but I know personally going through the fact that I've had five babies now, I'm getting more sleep with five kids than I did with one kid. And it's unbelievable. And 
I don't ever feel like there's ever been a time where my kid has not had or my baby has not had exactly what they've needed from me or I have left them for an extended period of time or they felt deserted or something. And it's been this eye-opening experience for me. I haven't worked exactly with a sleep consultant. I just kind of figured out with number two and number three, like kind of what was working, kind of honed it in with number four and then number five came along and it's life-changing. It is. It's, it's unbelievable. And you know, I think that there's part of me that, that wants to make sure that we empower moms to know that it's okay to learn your baby's cues and learn how to navigate motherhood without them controlling every aspect of your evenings and (laughs) nights and days. So anyways, that's my little, that's my little tidbit about it. But talk to me a little bit about kind of where you went from there, the system you developed, um, how it all works. So it it is, I will say that, um, and as you and I were talking before we started this, sleep is, is a, I always say sleep is very polarizing. Mm -hmm. You're going to have people who absolutely love it, want to tell all their friends about it, or like cannot even believe that you would dare want your child to sleep. Mm -hmm. There's different ends of that, but no matter even where you stand in that, I think the cornerstone has to be, are you enjoying being a mother? Yeah. Because that has to, you, I, I tell families and, and clients all the time, I'm sure your baby is adorable. I'm sure your kid is awesome. I, I don't care about them. I care about you. Yeah. Like I do, but I, you're the reason, you're the one who, who's here. I'm mm-hmm. looking at you. You're falling apart, all these things. And so when it comes to, and when it came for me, I'm um, getting sleep with Ellie. Um, it provided the way for me saying like, yeah, I'm done teaching. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm well rested. I want other people to feel this too. Um, so within sleep consulting, you can go through various training certification programs. Um, there is no, I get asked all the time, oh, so did you go to school for this? I'm like there is no school for sleep <laughs> consulting. Um, there are certification programs. Yeah. And um, essentially out there in the world, there are only four sleep methods. That's it. There's four methods. Um, and I, I say this all the time and I say it openly that if you think about a line, uh, you're thinking about let's, uh, all, all the way over on the, um, left-hand side is, uh, extinction method or cry it out. And when you think about extinction method or cry it out, that is a method that works for people. Some people want to do that. Some people mm-hmm. want to say, okay, I'm going to lay my child down, say goodnight, walk out the room. 12 hours later, I come back and get them. And that's that like, that like makes me like sweaty and shaky. Which, it's fine. I'm sure some people choose to do it that way, but it makes me like a little. Well, and some people do choose to do that. And, and that's what, that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. That's what they know that works. My only beef with that is that I, I actually, um, there's a, a group of pediatricians in New York who, um, I've worked with many of their clients who they say, oh, start crying out at eight weeks old, which is not a at all something you can do. Newborns cannot self-suit. Uh-huh. So when we're, when we're even talking about this and those clients it's come so to me. It's so funny because I talk about like how much drama happens on our Facebook group with, with sleep stuff, but like I'm having this like visceral reaction right now to yeah. laying an eight week old down oh, and can't. walking away. You cannot. So oh. I should have even opened up by saying sleep training. We're not even talking about newborns. Yeah. This cannot even happen until 16 weeks from due date. That's when we're getting into the whole form of the regression, which is only because the child is developing mature sleep cycles. That's, that's why the form of the regression sucks yeah. It's because your child is now no longer a newborn. They need different things. And that's that's normal. Yeah. So, uh, on the sleep training line, you have this extinction, which is the literal cry it out, which does work. And by the way, all of these that we're about to talk about, they're 
it's, it is scientifically backed that none of these are damaging for your child. None of them. You know what the core is? The core is maternal mental health. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you're looking at cry it out, if that's a direction you want to go and you feel comfortable, uh. with that, that's, that's one method. So that's all the way over here on the okay. left hand side. Then there's two here in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, we call them um, basically a gradual extinction is one. Okay. And then um, you've got the You've got controlled crying, which is uh, leave and check methods. Okay. You've got gradual extinction, which can be uh, like a chair method, a stay in the room, a camp out method. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the, uh, all the way on the right-hand side, uh, No Cry, Elizabeth Pantley, things like that. Um, and so here in the middle with uh, a leave and check and a stay in the room method, mm -hmm. that's what I use. Yep. Those, are the, those, are the, those are the only two methods mm -hmm. that pretty much any sleep consultant out there is going to use. There are not infinity in one ways to sleep train a child. There are four ways. And within that, people are going to just call them different things. Okay. You've got the sleep lady shuffle. That's the stay in the room method. You've got uh, pop-ins. That's the leave and check. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how you wrap it up in a bow. Yep. Like, that's just, that's what it is. And so I talk about this all the time. We have a really popular YouTube video about this that people are always saying like, oh my gosh, thank you. There's, there's four methods out there, Becca. Yeah. Like there's four methods. Which one fits your parenting philosophy? Which one fits you? What is the training program you're going to go use that is going to maybe certify you in that? Um, but the certification program is just going to walk you through. And what it did for me was obviously teach you the science behind sleep, mm -hmm. teach you these things. And then you go out and you get your clients and you, you learn from that. And so um, I've been doing this for uh, five and a half years. And uh, my the first really three years was just solely one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we worked with over 500 families one-on-one. -on -one. It was an incredible experience. Was it and, rewarding? Oh, that's like, what, it, it, it's, there is no feeling greater in the world when you get to help literally change someone's life. Yeah, I had someone here locally um, I remember going to her home and this was a very normal thing to hear. She, I loved this part when I did in homes, uh, we'd be doing the bedtime routine and the mom would be sitting there, um, either bottle feeding or breastfeeding the baby during the bedtime routine. And there was always this, like, you know, I'm sitting there in the room, right? Yeah. Like, like there's like, okay, I've got nothing to do. So let me just talk. Yeah. And, um, they would ask me questions about my job and, um, I would ask them about how they, you know, found out about me, things like that. And I remember this mom was like, Becca, I just got over shingles. Before that, I had pneumonia. Before that, I couldn't shake a cold for months. And because she wasn't sleeping. Because she wasn't sleeping. And wow. and, it, and for pretty much every single one of these families that we worked with, yeah. you ha unfortunately, and it really stinks to say this, but like you have to, in my my clients, mm -hmm. have to hit a rock bottom, bottom. to be like, wow. You're almost like change. this like beautiful like postpartum doula that comes <laughs> in and just says like, hey, I'm going to fix this aspect of your life. Because I mean, if you think about like, I mean, you and I don't have medical backgrounds, but I'm pretty sure that sleep is a pretty important part in just about every like it's the foundation of your health, like it aspect is. of like a like life. Yes, like I feel like the first thing like a midwife will say if somebody comes in with suspected postpartum depression or something is, "Are you getting enough sleep?" Like I mean, right. I feel like that is like mental health, physical health. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's incredible. Yes. Yeah. It, it's sleep is, is the foundation of our health. If you don't sleep, you cannot do anything. And that's not, that's not me just saying that because I have a job and I sell sleep courses. Yeah. It is, it is backed by science that yeah. if, and, and, you know, I actually hear people say things like, wow, now I understand why sleep deprivation is a form of torture in other countries. Like yeah. it is, it's true because sleep deprivation opens up so many horrible things in your life. And mm -hmm. I don't even have to convince you of that. Yeah. You know that, you know, the, so the other night I shared about this on Instagram. Um, the other night I decided to just drink a cup of coffee after dinner. Worst what? decision. Okay. 
So <laughs> caffeine takes yeah. eight hours to wear off in your body. Yeah. So let's have a cup of coffee at 7.30 when I go to bed at 9.30. Yeah. I thought, that's cool. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 31. I'm fine. I can do this. <laughs> and I could not fall asleep until after midnight. And I woke up every hour until 6 a.m. And I was like, forget this. I'm done sleeping. Yeah. And I felt horrible all day long. And I, Because broken sleep, I don't have to tell anybody that, broken sleep is awful for your health yeah. and development. Getting broken sleep cycles all throughout the night, you're not getting the full de- the full restorative benefits of go as your body goes through those sleep cycles. So even just drinking my cup of coffee, like I trashed my night of sleep. I'll yeah. never do that again. But it, it reminded me that wow, broken sleep is terrible. Yeah. But you're you're gonna have that as a newborn. I mean that you can't you can't skip that. It's it's gonna happen. Your newborn has to wake up throughout the night. They have to eat throughout the night. Um, so if you're listening to this as a newborn parent, just we can do things. It. But yeah, yeah it, that I hate this phrase, but it really is a phase. That part really is a phase. Um, so yeah, it, it, it definitely sleep is so important to your overall health and wellness. So, okay. So you work with two different kind of methods, it sounds like. Right. Do you combine the two or do you work Absolutely. with families on the different ways? Or like, tell me a little bit about kind of walking into a situation and kind of how it how it all works. Yeah. So um, when we're looking at different age groups, that's how mm-hmm. we break our sleep courses down. So I'm not even talking about our newborn course because again, that is not sleep training. I don't want anybody out there thinking, oh my gosh, she's a horrible person. She's sleep training a newborn. You can't. You can't. It's foundations. That's that. But once we hit four months mm-hmm. um, from due date, and that's really important to look at the due date here. Um, once you're looking at that four month from due date mark, your child is developing these mature sleep cycles, just like you and I have. They go from chaotic newborn sleep cycles to every 90 minutes throughout the night. Okay. They're cycling through all these different stages, just like us. And that's the point where they can learn self-soothing. So throughout our different age groups, it just depends on what method we're going to use. So our four to five month program uses a stay in the room method, because a lot of these babies are coming out of swaddles. They're coming out of uh, being held to sleep or, um, always being fed to sleep or being, uh, co-slept with. And our, again, uh, our, our, training philosophy mm-hmm. is to get your baby to sleep in their own separate sleep space. It is 100% fine. If you want to still room share with your baby, you can do that as long as you want. I work with families in one bedroom condos who they're always going to sleep yeah. in the same room. That's wonderful. Great. Do it if you want to. And that again goes into the maternal health. I have some families who are like, I want to room share for as long as possible. And other moms who say, I cannot, I'm so light of a sleeper. The moment the baby makes a noise, I'm going to wake up. So go to their room. And that's all on a parent's decision. Um, so four to five months, we use a stay in the room method. Um, six to 16 months, we use a leave and check method at that point. And you can just know this with your child mm-hmm. between six and seven months old, they start to get that object permanence. They understand like you're over there, you're over here, you're mm-hmm. out of the room. And developmental wise, it's a lot harder to do a stay in the room method with an older baby who understands that you're still there, that you're still there. Absolutely. Right. And I mean, how many, arms. exactly. Yeah. And I have had families say like, but I want to do a stay in the room method for them. And we'll, we'll kind of alter things and talk about it. And within one or two nights, they're like, can I please get out of here? Yeah. The baby's just like staring at you. And yeah, you're like, absolutely. okay. Yep. <laughs> so we use uh, leave and check method for six to 16 months, but then we come back to the stay in the room method yeah. for toddlers and preschoolers. So I work all the way up till age five and you cannot for a, you know, a one, uh, let's say like a 18 month old up to a five year old, you cannot put the child in the bed and be like, okay, now stay right there. Yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. that's never going to happen. Absolutely. So you have to work through uh, a really slow stay in the room method to get, yeah. to build their confidence. And that's <clears throat> for any age in this, it's all about building the child's confidence that actually you can do this. And it's so cool, especially for the four to five month olds when you're sitting right beside them and you're helping them learn these yeah. self-sitting strategies and oop, there goes the thumb in their mouth. Cause I'm also anti-pacifier after yeah. four months old. Okay. The fingers are attached pacifiers that you can use all throughout the night. And you don't use lose them. them. Yes, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. They're right there. And 
And so we, it's it's amazing. Parents tell us all the time, like, oh my gosh, they started sucking on their fingers. It's, yeah, and it's so funny because like, you know, I had number I had number one who was super colicky, screamed, I swear, every single day for like at least ten hours for the first year of his life. But I will never forget like the night, like I had to get him out of my bed before number two came, and they were nineteen months apart. And so he moved from like our bed. You know, I maybe maybe it was when I, it's such a blur. Maybe it was when I was going from two to three. I don't know, but I remember. Yes, okay, it was from when I was two to three because Nathan was number one, and he like I could I couldn't get him away from me. Like I didn't I didn't try. I didn't I didn't do anything. He was always in our bed. But then Alex came along, and he was number two, and I tried something new. He was a little bit more of a of a different kid, and I'm sure that you see different different temperaments all the time time. so Alex was a little bit more low-key so Alex slept in his crib but I remember my water broke with number three and I had to get the kids to bed the midwife was coming over and I was like I gotta have this baby tonight and it was this beautiful Saturday night and I'm like wouldn't it be great if they just slept through it so I have this picture to this day where I'm lying on my bed and I have moved Nathan at this point onto a mattress on the floor and I'm literally laying in bed holding his hand and I'm like, please, Lord, please let him fall asleep in this bed. Cause like, I, I can't have him fall asleep in my bed because at some point this night, tonight, I'm going to have my baby and I'm going to want to come back to this bed and like cuddle my baby. And I know my midwife's not going to leave until I'm tucked into bed, but I don't really want to be tucked into bed with a two year old. And like, it was just, it was way too much. So he eventually fell asleep on the floor and then I think he was there for like the next like two years I mean it's just so funny how they're all so different um but you know I kind of learned after that whole segment that you know it was so important to start introducing it a little bit earlier than I had with Nathan um and just kind of start to figure out each kid and when they when they needed it and they've all since then really kind of by six seven months old have been in their own beds and have been sleeping through the night. And it's incredible. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to kind of just see the progression kind of as our family has gone, they, they sleep together. So to get the boys, uh, there was one point where we used to call it our hotel. Like literally all three kids were in our room. Caroline was still in the bed. Uh, Alex was in my mattress on the floor and Nathan was on a mattress on the floor. And finally one day I was like, no like they might be sleeping but they're all in our room so you need that space yeah sometimes. so the boys the boys moved to their own room eventually Caroline joined them in their own room but it's so funny because like they still have that comfort of each other but they're not in our room and it's just it's I don't know it's incredible it's just it's such an interesting important thing and that's oh, yeah. why I think it's awesome that you're here because it's it's something that people don't people just accept the fact that motherhood has to come without sleep. And you're right at the mm-hmm. beginning, it does come without sleep. Mm-hmm. But then there are ways to navigate it after that. Right. That like, it, that makes sense. Like my eight-year-old this morning, Nathan, the one that's completely, you know, he's still high, he's still high strong at eight years old, but he had a terrible morning this morning. Terrible. And I just kept sitting down with him and saying, what's up, bud? Let's talk. And he's like, I didn't sleep last night. Alex talked all night long. He snored. And I said, Okay, well, I know right now Nathan's going to have a terrible day today. He's going to hopefully take a nap at some point. We're going to do our best. We're going to get through the day. But it's funny how even at eight years old, sleep is still a thing, you know, and it just affects the entire family structure. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Our, our preschool program is for um, three to five years old, but I've mm-hmm. worked with eight and nine year olds with it. Yeah. Um, because it, it, is, it doesn't 
that program in itself as well, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, it's not so much like, oh, wow, you've developed these sleep strategies for preschoolers. It's yeah. habits. Absolutely. It is rebuilding habits, breaking them down, yep. building them back up again, mm-hmm. teaching them that they can do this. Yeah. And um, to me, like the preschoolers are probably my favorite and most rewarding <laughs> yeah. because those parents have gone through years. Uh-huh. And it affects of, everything. It probably affects absolutely. behavior. Oh, and yeah. They're hitting, everything. they're biting, absolutely. they're, uh, they're t- you know, temper tantrums, all these things. And sleep is not a magic cure-all for like everything in your whole life, but it is, it is literally the elixir for a beautiful house. This is the reason why we say you're a happy, healthy, well-rested family. Mm -hmm. When you know every single night you can put your child down. I know Ellie, she is, uh, she was the one that I sleep trained, you know, my Mm -hmm. first one, she's six and a half right now. I can put her in her room at seven 30 and she is in her room until 7 AM sleeping. Yep. And she, she's, the the benefits are just incredible. And I see other six-year-olds who Mm -hmm. are not getting that. I can tell. Absolutely. You can tell. Mm -hmm. And it is so vital. And it's, uh, I think, gosh, was it two years ago? Um, 2018, 2017. um, They, uh, the CDC literally said that sleep deprivation is a worldwide pandemic. Like that is something that everyone struggles with. There's a reason now. It's it's now a masterclass. I don't know if you, uh, anybody does masterclass, but Matthew Walker who wrote Why We Sleep, he just put out his masterclass about sleep because it is so important and people are not taking it seriously enough. I know the difference in me at that time, eight o'clock hits and like we have different routines in our house. My husband's great with bedtime, but he takes, he takes like the middle two. He reads to them. The older two, the two boys have time with me. Catherine goes to bed. Who's the baby. But I know the second I put Catherine in her bed and she's 16, 15 months old at this point, like my anxiety and stress level it just I can feel myself starting to get ready for bed like everything starts to kind of start to shut down a little bit and it's amazing and because then I can turn to the boys and I can talk to them about their day because they're a little bit older so they're not in bed yet and we can watch the survivor man show that we've been watching every night and like that's their time and then dad comes down after he puts the little two down and he comes and he gets them and he brings them up to their room and he reads to them and then they go to sleep and holy moly, like I said before, like I'm going to totally jinx this whole thing, but like hundred percent getting, I am getting a full, we just got a puppy. So I'm not always <laughs> getting a full eight hours of sleep, but I mean, I am in control of my evenings, which I never was with one or two until I literally decided that it was important to us, mm-hmm. my family, my relationship with my partner, like business, mm-hmm. because you know, our manufacturers go to work when we go to sleep and it's just, it's, it's incredible. And I think that there's such an empowerment that comes along with it. And it's not bad. It doesn't make you less of a mother to teach your child how to soothe. So talk to me a little bit about that aspect of it. Like children can learn to self-soothe. Is that something oh, we 100%. need to teach them? Like how? So there's, uh, I see these, I, I like follow, you know, the hashtag sleep consultant, right? Yeah. I follow that for my sleep consulting business. And um, there are, very, like, sleep is polarizing, right? So there's sometimes these hot topic things where people say like, babies should not ever soothe. Babies cannot self-soothe. You always have to soothe for them. If we take that, that mindset. Okay when are they going to learn how to self-regulate? When are they going to learn how, and that's why um, you, uh, attachment parenting and secure attachment are two totally different things. That's a whole, you know, other topic, but they're they're When I'm looking at self-soothing, we're looking at the child being able to connect one sleep cycle to the next without needing to rely on someone or something. So the analogy I always give is think about uh, a car, 
figuratively, everybody. So figuratively <laughs> think about a car and your baby is in the passenger seat, your baby, toddler, preschooler, whatever age they are, even not ourselves. for real guys, not for real, <laughs> yes. right? They're in the passenger seat and insert whatever or whoever it is that's helping drive them to sleep. So we can insert pacifier here. Mm-hmm. All right. So you've got the pacifier in the driver's seat, baby sucking on the pacifier. They're in the passenger seat. Okay. We're driving to sleep land. Let's go, 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 go. Okay, great. You fell asleep. Awesome. Get out of here. And you, you know, baby is oh, stranded on the side of the road. The Pacifier drives off. Yeah, I did my job. Great. I'm out of here. And the baby's sleeping. Well, what happens? Every 90 minutes throughout the nighttime, every human cycles out of a stage of sleep and they go back into another one. And if the baby wakes up and figuratively again, they Mm -hmm. are stranded, their driver's not there, the car's not there. What are they going to do? They're going to cry out because they don't know how to do it themselves. And this is when the scatter technique comes in. People are like, oh, I'll just throw like 20 pacifiers in the crib and they'll go over (laughs) and grab one. The problem with that though, is the baby is now 100% full fully awake and alert. Instead, what we want is the child to be in the driver's seat yep. to know that, like, okay, all right, it's time to go to sleep. What can I do? I can suck on my thumb. I can suck on my two girls never did their thumb. They did these two middle fingers. Um, I can roll over on my stomach when they can, you know, do that developmentally. Mm-hmm. I can, after one years old, grab my blankie, grab my stuffed animal, I adjust my, uh, what the babies I love when I get pictures of babies, like on their uh, belly with their butts in the air. Oh, like, my, I have, cutest. I have, I have butts up in the air. <laughs> butts and like up, literally yeah. <laughs> once I taught them to do that, that is like I have three out of five that is how they sleep exactly every night butt up as high it's as it can in the so air cute. I love it <laughs> but you know what I don't even care you you lay however you want to lay exactly. if you go to sleep but because that is how they do. soothe themselves yeah and and th- that and that's what gets me so fired up about this is that I don't know why that is seen as like oh no they yeah. cannot sell yes they can <laughs> they can roll over. They can self-soothe themselves. And um, and that, that's a question we get a lot about rolling. But um, when the child is able to do something like that, now what that means is when they go to sleep in the nighttime, I'm mm-hmm. not saying children are not robots, so they are going to have bumps every now and then. Um, but when they do fall asleep, guess what? Every 90 minutes throughout the night, just like I would wake up and readjust myself, I'm not going to remember that. It's just something my body knows what to do. The baby does the same thing. The toddler does the same thing. The preschooler does the same thing. But you know that you need to sleep train them or help them along if they are waking up throughout the night looking for, oh, I lost my driver. Pacifier's gone. Mom's gone. Dad's gone. Uh, I'm trying to think of other other props, other things that someone or something has been Mm -hmm. doing for them. They are fully capable of doing that after four months old, not newborns. Talk to me a little bit about how this plays into breastfeeding. I know a lot of people say that you know their baby still wakes up constantly maybe still in bed with mom and dad just literally just looking for the breast and Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of those too um talk to me about removing the baby from that situation if we know that they're just comfort feeding at that point it's a completely different thing if they're going through a growth spurt need food breast milk's digested faster than other stuff well we're not talking about starving babies we're just talking about that comfort nursing. Right. So if we put the scenario of, okay, the breast is in the driving seat Mm -hmm. and all throughout the night, baby does not know how to self-soothe. They just know I need to pacify myself for just Mm -hmm. a few seconds and go back to sleep. Because that's all they do. That's all they're doing. Right. But then they fall asleep with the the nipple in their mouth and then you're like, what the heck am I supposed to do now? (laughs) Right. And I, and I always put this, this disclaimer is that, okay, first of all, I don't know, especially since we do online courses, please Mm -hmm. talk to your pediatrician, please talk to your lactation consultant, like whatever we need to do to make sure that yes, baby is able to sleep through the night. Okay. Now, now, if you are like, if you are ready, right? Because obviously there are parents out there and moms out there who are like, 
no, I don't mind this. This is fine. Yep. Okay. Well, when you are, and if you are ready to yep. know like, okay, I need my space. I need to be able to put my baby down and sleep solid consistently on my own. Both of us wake up refreshed for the day. Then we want to look at a couple of things. I'm always going to go to the bedtime routine. The bedtime routine feed is so important. If your baby is getting droopy eyes, flutter mm-hmm. sucking, uh, getting glazed eyes, not fully engaged on that breastfeeding mm-hmm. at, or, or bottle feeding, whatever it is, at bedtime routine, you're going to have an off night. If baby sees the breast as sleep and not nourishment, you're going to have all throughout the night. It's that whole driver mentality, and it starts at bedtime routine. If the baby thinks that this is what gets them sleepy or gets them drowsy, they're going to expect that. So you have to go back all the way to the bedtime routine feed and make sure that, okay, if you want to change something, it can't start at 2 a.m., it has to start at 6 30 p.m so are we putting baby to bed fully awake a hundred percent not drowsy talk talk to me a little bit about that and why that's important because i have a hundred percent learned that as a parent didn't believe it at the beginning thought it was crap i'm like i don't understand shouldn't i wait for my baby to get tired i'm gonna nurse him sleep then i'm gonna put him in his crib yeah no it doesn't work yeah so let's go back to the driver now right so drowsiness is the first stage of sleep Okay. When you get drowsy and you know, that feeling where you're like starting to fall asleep, like you're tired, start fall asleep mm-hmm. and you get that like jolting, like yeah. oh, um, the, yeah. the falling sensation uh-huh. that's in the first like a uh, few minutes of when okay. you're falling asleep. So when the baby, when you're breastfeeding, bottle feeding, rocking pacifier, whatever it is, the, go back to the driver mentality. We'll insert the breast here. Okay. When you are breastfeeding your baby at bedtime routine, you're like, okay, that's, that seems natural. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let's just, let's go to sleep. Let's get tired. What's happening? The breast is driving them to sleep. So then you transfer them to the crib. And I get this question all the time, but they wake up as soon as I transfer them. That's because they have no concept of how to get themselves drowsy. So the whole point is that baby needs to go into that crib 100% awake and alert, which seems weird. But let's think about toddlers, preschoolers, teens, adults. Mm -hmm. Are we getting ourselves sleepy before we get into bed? No. It's the same thing for a baby. So they get into the bed 100% wide awake and alert after having a 100% wide and alert, uh, alert feed drowsiness, if drowsiness happens um, while breastfeeding, and then you transfer them, this may resonate for a lot of people. Have you ever experienced that? And then your little one just jolts back awake and then it's another 30, 40, 60 minutes until you can get yep. them to sleep again. That's because drowsiness, that little bit, can act like a cat nap and can re-energize that baby up to an hour. So essentially what you just did was <laughs> gave them a little cat nap yeah. and then, oh, now they're not ready to go back to sleep so now I've got to help them and do it all. And the process just repeats, yeah. repeats, And we're repeats. talking like not past, we're talking past infancy. We're talking about the ones like you said before that you stand up and you walk away, they know you're not there anymore. Right, yeah, because a newborn, uh, I, I get that question a lot too, like, well, how can I not? Because I'm saying feed them a wide awake and alert. Yeah. Newborns, that's going to happen. They're going to sleep. That, yeah. that's, that's all they're going to do. So yeah, once you get to this stage where they're very well aware of what's yeah. happening, um, but going back to the breastfeeding, it is amazing because I, I have in our plans and I tell moms, like, you should be experiencing a totally different breastfeeding experience within 24 to 48 hours after starting sleep training. Why? Because babies are so quick to learn. Mm -hmm. When you just start to keep them awake while breastfeeding, they're going to become more excited, more interested, more engaged. They probably will, I'm going to put in air quotes here, feed less because they yeah. weren't actually feeding. They were having these little snacks mm-hmm. and I've had so they're many They're probably going to have more nutritive feedings though. Exactly. Like where exactly. they're going to eat when they're hungry. Exactly. And so we want to see the bedtime routine feed and then the first feed of the day. Yep. Those sessions need to become like 
yes like yes. the baby's like oh, i'm so excited, excited. Yeah. right to eat now four to five month olds uh we we have a uh, one feed in the nighttime so we're not ripping nighttime feeds away um and in fact on those feeds they still have to be awake and alert yep. and if the baby decides to go to sleep at that point then that's also telling us oh so you're not actually hungry hungry right now so the whole point is that whenever you're feeding your baby bottle breast however they have to be 100 percent awake and alert on that i've even worked with um g2 babies feeding two babies they have to be awake and alert um, so it doesn't matter That's how fascinating. The, yeah. It, we want to make sure that the baby knows what's happening. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but especially because I would, I would venture to say that, uh, nursing to sleep is probably the number one, um, you know, prop here. And, and that gets a weird, people always say that's so strange. Why would you call that a prop? It's a good thing. It is a good thing. Breastfeeding yeah. is wonderful, but if it's causing broken sleep for mm-hmm. the family and you are unhappy and you can no longer take delight in your child, there's something wrong here. And when you decide that you're ready to change it, we can do that. And that's a small step you can make. So this is kind of a loaded question, but I'm sure there's been studies done kids children babies i guess that learn how to regulate sleep do they learn how to regulate other emotions as well like is it just something that like instinctually start do they learn other things you know what i'm saying yeah like, no is, actually, is it more loaded than that well no i think it's 100 percent true um i'm it's hard so obviously we're not going to take a child and like subject them to certain things so there's not a lot of research on (laughs) sleep and sleep is only about like when it comes to sleep science it's only been studied for 50 or 60 years like not that long we do know that sleep deprivation makes you more angry more prone to be upset you have uh you 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 actually start to lose your short-term memory like it affects all of these factors in your sleep in your uh day-to-day life so obviously if if me as an adult if i drank caffeine before bed the other night and had horrible sleep and had a horrible day yes it's going to manifest that in in a child as well. And that is where I hear things about um, children who uh, who are uh, hitting their teachers at school, who are um, uh, crying throughout the day, who are uh, throwing temper tantrums for no reason. They're exhausted. They're yeah. so, and I, I, it's like when I go to Target at 8 p.m. at night by mm-hmm. myself and you hear the children throwing the tantrums, they're like, they're so I'm tired. tired. <laughs> they're so tired. Oh, uh, so yeah, I mean, it does. And I'm sure um, I'll have to look it up once we're done here, yeah. but it is, uh, it, it truly is that cornerstone to how you feel emotionally. Mm-hmm. And we, like you said, you know, your son didn't get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And it's, it was terrible. This exactly. Morning. And you just know those things. You're like, yeah. Oh, something's up. Yeah, something's up. absolutely. So can every child learn how to sleep through the night? I believe so. But I also know that not every parent desires that for their family. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm not here to twist anybody's arm to be like, yeah. come buy my sleep training programs. No, no. When, and it would, it would never work that way. And the first page of our sleep plan is a goals page. Like, why do you want to do this anyways? What's it going to mean for you? What's it going to mean for your partner? What's it going to mean for your job? All these things. And if you're, if you have no desire to do that, then you don't have to. Absolutely. You don't have to. It doesn't make you, uh, there, it, and I, I think, you said it just a few minutes ago. Um, sleep training doesn't make you a better mom or a worse mom. Mm-hmm. Not sleep, sleep training child doesn't make you a better or worse mom. I believe that you are the right mom for your child. Absolutely. Period. Yep. Um, so let's just say you were to give like three tips on sleep. Like let's just from a standpoint of, hey, things that you can start tonight that may help the process go. I mean, I would think probably a routine is yes. probably number one. Yeah. Bedtime routine would be number one. And we have a, I have a, a free download that's called the four steps to solve your child's night wakings. And that's the first step is a bedtime routine. And um, just like for yourself, you probably do something every single night, whether it is 
watching Netflix, taking a shower, going to bed. That's your mm-hmm. bedtime. That, a child needs that too. And so it's that just consistent expectation that you can literally start from the first day that you, that you have them. Um, and I did that with my youngest Hattie. And it was, I think starting those habits from day one is why I never had to sleep train her because she just knew what to do. So uh, a bedtime routine looks something like, uh, and this is going to be a little bit different than what you may hear out there. I have a, a weird way that I do this, but I like to do the bath first mm-hmm. or just a sink wash down. Then I like to just wrap them in a towel and slip a diaper on them and feed them naked. Because when you feed them naked, they've got they all that like. delicious skin to mm-hmm. poke, tickle, caress, all those good things. Keep them awake and alert. So easy to do that. Then we're going to go ahead and do PJs, lotion, massage, whatever you do there. Then I like like uh, to kind of demand as a teacher that you go ahead and read a book. But okay. I actually can't tell you how many parents have like told me, like, I was looking for, like, when do I read a book? Yeah, because because they've been putting their child to sleep and then putting yeah. them in the crib. Yeah. So this is, this is where you do that. You feed your baby awake and alert. Mm-hmm. You put them in their jammies and lotion, and then you read them a book. And this is a great time if you do have another partner, if you have other caretakers, allow the other caretaker to read the book and get Mm -hmm. everybody involved because I don't want any parent to feel like they are the ones who like it all falls on them. Nobody else can do this. And especially like as a breastfeeding mom myself, I know sometimes removing the opportunity to self-soothe or the opportunity, especially in the beginning of that process to then nurse down because you're used to the breast being the driver. You know, if, if you can pass that baby off to, you know, your partner where it's not an option, I know that's worked really well for us in the past when either I've gotten pregnant or there's some reason why I knew that they were self-soothing that for whatever reason it was, we were done with that stage, like right before bed that, um, that my, that my partner, my Eric just would, you know, take them and, you know, take care of it, you know, himself, yeah. which is, which is great. Yeah. You know? And when I did in homes, uh, a lot of the times the mom was looking to get dad involved, but mm-hmm. didn't know how to ask him. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's really important. Um, and inside of our plans, we talk about, Hey, if you are a nursing mom and you have been nursing your child to sleep, this is an opportunity to get your partner involved. If they yep. have not been the one mm-hmm. to do this because the baby, the toddler, the, especially the preschooler needs to know that you're a team and it's not just, you know, one individually, but even this morning in our, um, membership group, a mom said, well, can I do it by myself? My husband's not available for nighttime. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're not yeah. limited to success. Mm-hmm. It's just that if you are interested in getting other people involved in this, this is a good, if you're going to start one tonight, this Absolutely. is a good opportunity to say, yep, let's do this and let's do it now. So bedtime routine, definitely first one. Um, I'd say the second one would be knowing your wake windows because for me, that was the game changer with Ellie. I had okay. no idea that a newborn could only handle being awake for 45 minutes. I had no idea. I was keeping <laughs> her awake for five hours, right? So um, an awake windows change throughout your child's uh, life. And uh, we have a free tool. It's a schedule generator. It's just little z sleep.com com slash schedule generator. And you can just pop in your child's age and get their schedule because it's all based on age. It's not anything unique about, oh, well, my child is 10 months and 22 pounds. How, what's their sleep schedule? It's just by month. It's just by age. So knowing their sleep schedule so that you can time those wake windows. So that way, if you're doing your bedtime routine, and as an example, you have a 10 month old, uh, they need about four hours of wake time from their nap to, to bedtime. If you know wow. that, okay. then you're going to know like, oh, okay, now I know when to time putting them down. Uh, it can be anywhere between three and a half to four, more generally four. But if you know those wake windows, you're going to be able to kind of build out your day. And mm-hmm. then <laughs> you're probably also going to know why they start losing their exactly. crap at dinner time if they had a shorter nap exactly. or something like that. A hundred percent. Fascinating. Yes. Okay. Because then my third tip would yeah. be like, now that you know that you need to find that confidence and knowing like, I know what I'm doing here. Absolutely. Because that's going to change how you start mm-hmm. to do things. And then once you do find those wake windows, that schedules, mm-hmm. honestly, let it go. 
because I don't want you, I, I, my goal for a family is not to have their schedule on their phone every day. Like, oh, okay, it's nap time now. It's nap. Like, you're yeah. just going to know like, oh, mm-hmm. 9.30, 2 o'clock. All right, that's the nap times. Yep. Because the whole goal in making sleep a thing is that you can be able to say, here's my baby. I'm going to go just run an errand oh, real quick. <laughs> it's amazing. Like my when my mom comes into town and like, you know, we had like family over, um, COVID safe. Um, but, uh, it was so nice. Cause she was like, Hey, it's, it's time to put Catherine down. Do you just want me to go give her a bath and put her down? Like uh, five years ago, six years ago with number one or number two, that never would have been an option, mm-hmm. but we made it a priority this time. And yeah. I don't feel like she's gotten any less than anybody else has, but we started early. We started a routine and now she probably got any, more sleep than yeah, anybody else. Absolutely. <laughs> and anybody can put her down. Yeah. It is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, uh, for sure. And that is, um, that to me, that's the biggest reward. I, I know your child sleeping is the ultimate gift and the ultimate yeah. reward, mm-hmm. but you're again, like I care about the parent. I care about mm-hmm. that mom. And if we all know if the mom's not sleeping, the whole family's broken. Absolutely. Like, we know that. Mm-hmm. So it has to come back to that. And we have to be able to have that space for yourself. And I say this all the time, like sleep is not selfish. Getting your child to sleep is not selfish. Wanting them to sleep in their own room is not selfish that is a that is a desperate need for you if if you understand yourself to know like I'm not getting any space I'm not Mm -hmm. getting I'm literally attached to this baby 24 7 and we know that that's not going to be something that can long-term happen successfully for anyone so um, to me that's the most important is that okay we have our bedtime routine we know our schedule. Now let's live in the freedom because having a schedule should not put you in a jail. That should not make you feel like you're, yep. you can never leave your house again. Um, I We have so many blogs and so many podcasts on. Go, like live your life. Go enjoy fireworks on 4th of July. Go out. So are like car naps going to mess up the entire schedule? Like Yeah, but you know what? The next day? Just yeah, get, just back, get home back on it and do your do your schedule. And it was uh, what oh, it was Christmas Day. I posted on our, our sleep society groups like Merry Christmas, guys. Get off schedule. Have yeah. some fun, right? Yeah, like, absolutely, it's gonna happen. And there are and I say that though there are some kids who are more sensitive. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about temperaments. Yep. Some kids, if you get them off on one day, it's gonna mm-hmm. take two weeks to get them back yep. on. Like daylight savings time. Right. Terrible. Exactly. Worst thing ever. Exactly. That to That's like the Super Bowl for yeah. sleep consultants. Is like, okay, everybody, <laughs> let's get ready. <laughs> but, it's terrible. Yeah, it is. And and so some kids are like that, and then some kids can just pop right back in and you know your child best so even listening to all these Mm -hmm. tips that I've said if you're like that doesn't work for me it doesn't work for my kid okay all right really fast this is like the longest podcast episode ever but I have so many questions and thoughts um talk to me about naps is there a certain age that we need to be dropping them is it done kid by kid like what are your thoughts as a as a sleep consultant yeah no I can definitely give you a fast rundown it's pretty uh to my mind it's like it's so simple uh I mean newborns again there's no yeah, nap whatever. schedule it, yep. is, it, is it is really it is. whatever um but by four months we're looking at four naps totaling four hours per day okay by five months we're looking for three naps a total of three and a half hours per day by six to seven months there's no magic date in there just between six and seven months you're gonna find that oh you know what that third nap is terrible it's not happening anymore so you go down to two naps a day and now we're totaling about three hours of daytime sleep um anywhere between 12 and 14 months we're gonna go look at a one nap schedule and that's gonna be about two and a half hours of daytime sleep and then by three they're done napping uh by three <laughs> and it, this always like rocks it makes people's me laugh because my five-year-olds always nap I but make you, them nap but you know what 
what? Like I yeah. say this, um, mm-hmm. a three-year-old and up needs 11 to 12 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period. Okay. So we have in our preschool program, we have to talk about daycare, right? Because mm-hmm. some kids are going to daycare and they're taking an hour and a half nap. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why they're not falling asleep at 7 p.m. It's because yep. they're, they're not ready for that yet. They need maybe 10 hours of sleep at night instead of 12 because they had sleep during the day. So usually between like my daughters, I don't wish this on anybody. Both of mine dropped their nap at two years and four months old. They wow. were done napping because I valued having 12 hours of sleep at mm-hmm. nighttime and they were no longer napping during the day. Uh, just straight up refuse. So that's actually common between two and a half and three. They're ready to stop napping unless they are in a situation where mm-hmm. they're napping great and you yeah. want a later bedtime. Go for it. Yeah. It's fine. It's fascinating. It's just so funny. I mean, I feel like every, we get that comment all the time. Like, why is my baby not napping? Why is my baby not going to sleep? And I really think if you just dig in and look at it and try and figure out these routines and the hours are supposed to be awake versus not, it's such a, it's such a cool concept. Yeah. I mean, it's sleep is so complex and it's, there's so many, but I feel like some of it's really easy though. Like like it's complex for sure, but like the science behind, like there is science behind it. Oh, you know, and like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what's cool. It's like, it's not all arbitrary. No, And I think no. like we all walk around and we're like, yeah, you know, my, this kid sleeps, this kid doesn't sleep, da, 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 da. Like, I think there is some science that it doesn't have to be quite as arbitrary as we all make it out to be. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, there are, you can put numbers on things for sure. Yeah. Um, it, knowing knowing your child's wake windows knowing what schedule that leads to mm-hmm. that is empowering for you but that's it changes so much from zero to 12 months old yeah so you're not going to keep the same schedule like the only time you have a long nice long stretch mm-hmm. as a baby is maybe between like seven and 14 months old so like for seven months you're like yeah i finally have the same schedule but even in between that sometimes they need a little bit more wake time mm-hmm. and you do feel like that's it's very normal to feel like for the first year all you're doing is watching the clock that yeah. is so normal I mean, I think that one of the takeaways, I think, for somebody who's sitting there in that newborn phase is that it does get better, but you have to get through it. Like, there's there's no magic answer at the beginning. Right. You know, there's you you will not probably get much sleep. But yeah. then, you know, there, there are ways at that point to, you know, afterwards to try and transition, you know, towards, you know, a better, more balanced situation for the family and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you can start habits from the first day, not sleep training from the first day. You can start doing a bedtime routine. You can make sure your baby's awake for only 45 to 60 mm-hmm. minutes and that's it. But that that's it. Literally when I, my newborn encouragement, we have an email template because we get emails from newborn moms all the time. The only three things we tell them are, Hey, take care of establishing feeds, mm-hmm. heal yourself yep. and start a bedtime routine. Yep. That's all. That's all you need to worry about. That's it. Yeah. And, and then just get through it. Exactly. Yeah. So can you tell everybody a little bit about how to find you and learn some more and if they want to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, I'm Little Z Sleep. Um, our website is littlezsleep.com. Um, our podcast is Little Z Sleep. So everything is just a <laughs> Little Z, Z Sleep. sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you do offer consultations and for our for our students yes so we offer online courses for ages zero to five years old and if you are in our programs then yes I do phone calls I have a trained consultant with me she does email supports um our our big focus in this new year is our our membership which is our sleep society and this is to help you keep making sleep a thing because we know okay great sleep train my child awesome Oh shoot. Now they're teething. Oh my gosh. We're going to go on vacation. All those questions that you have is provided in our membership. And so I do uh, videos for you, trainings. Uh, we do story times, meetups, like all the things. And, um, and with those group of, of women and all, uh, we have about 800 families. 
we do uh, a lot of coaching together too, just to help you maintain that. Mm -hmm. um, and practically any question you have, we have a video ready to answer that That's for awesome. you. That's awesome. This has been fantastic. Will you come back and talk oh, more? Oh yeah, at some point? thanks so much for having me. Well, thank fun. you so much. Yeah.